On this episode of The Nosebleeds, it is officially October, and not only is it the spookiest month of the year, but it is the best month of the year for sports. MLB playoff race, who's going to win? The NBA starts at the end of the month, and of course, football is still going on, and we're going to talk about all of that and much more coming up on The Nosebleeds. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Nosebleeds podcast. That's K-N-O-W-S Bleeds, because we know what we're talking about, but we sit up in the Nosebleeds because we are broke. As always, it's me, your girl, B. It's your boy. Yo, what up, y'all? It's Kush. And October, it's a great time for sports, like Brandy said. MLB, NFL, NBA, hockey, MLS, all in full swing so let's get it and we are recording this on october 1st which is officially the kickoff to the spookiest month of the year and speaking of spooky this game this first wild card game in the mlb the brewers versus the nationals it just happened we just finished finished watching it and jesus what a game to kick off the mlb postseason i thought i was kind of it was the first two innings cool then it kind of slowed down, and then that eighth inning was when everything happened. Yeah, yeah. Yasmani Grandal, two-run home run in the first inning, which was, I mean, if anything, redemption for him from what happened last year with the Dodgers, but we will move on. Then they score one more again in the second inning, so it's 3 nothing. The Nationals get one in the third inning, and then nothing happens. Like Kush said, eighth inning on errors, the Nationals score three runs. Yeah, a three-run triple by Juan Soto, the 20-year-old who basically put the Nationals on their back and won them a wild-card game and won them a, I guess you can call it a series, a wild-card series. They won themselves finally a postseason series off the back of a 20-year-old. So shout-out to Juan Soto and the Nationals. But uh, let's talk about Woodruff. He had a great start. Only He really only threw that one bad pitch, and that was to Trey Turner, who allowed that solo home run. Mm-hmm. And he had zero walks, only one earned run. And the Brewers were aggressive throughout the game against Max Scherzer, and I don't think Max Scherzer was expecting that at all, especially from Yasmani Grandal, a guy who's walked 109 times a season. First pitch he saw from Scherzer took him yard. The next at-bat damn near took him yard probably like 10 feet away from back-to-back home runs by Yasmani Grandal so the the Brewers definitely came out swinging and they were in full control the entire game until Josh Hader just gave it up to the Nationals now I don't think it is solely left to him it was a line drive that was hit to right field but Trent Grisham from Milwaukee made a really big error that I don't think Milwaukee fans will ever forget and neither will he and that's pretty much what ended up winning the game for the Nationals. Yeah, a, a rookie to have that big of an error in your career already as a rookie, that's going to be tough trying to live that out. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, but you I mean, Josh Hader definitely put those three guys on base to give Juan Soto put, to put Juan Soto in a position to clear well, the right, bases. but instead of three runs, it might have only been two. Right. No, well, I, I I agree it that. It was hit to right field, so maybe, but I mean, it, it, no, but it was a bad error. And yeah. it was like a for sure easy stand up base clearing double. At the very least, it could have stayed a tie game and who knows what would have happened after that. Exactly. But 
I think the the long sung hero is Steven Strasburg. Came out of the bullpen as a reliever, and he was dealing. His curveball was killing the Brewers. So, I mean, I, I, I think that's going to be a name that's kind of going to be forgotten because we're going to think of Juan Soto. But mm-hmm. Steven Strasburg definitely deserves the credit. Now, Milwaukee came out fighting, and they've been fighting, and which is very unexpected considering their leader, Christian Yelich, right. wasn't able to play, which imagine who knows if he was able to play. And the crazy thing is, is that Milwaukee has been having problems with their bullpen the entire year, except Josh Hader. Josh Hader has probably been their most stable piece in that bullpen, and he's the one that gave up that base clearing double, and that's how they lost the game. So, I mean, it was tough, but... I was surprised when Milwaukee came out of the gate just, like, firing. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. I don't think Max Scherzer or the Nationals expected the Brewers to come out swinging like that on Mm -hmm. first pitches and just be aggressive. So now the Dodgers are going to have to face the Nationals and their tougher bullpen, I would think. It would have been nice as a Dodger fan. It would probably would have been better if they got to play Milwaukee, which why that was pretty exciting when Milwaukee came right out the gate. I'm sure L.A. fans were really excited about that. But to tis, what to tis. I don't know. I think the Brewers might have given that pitching staff a little more of a problem than the Nationals pitching staff would have given the Dodgers hitters. That's my opinion. I think the Brewers would have been a better – or the Brewers would have been a harder matchup for the Dodgers than the Nationals are right now. No, I don't agree. I think in the playoffs, it all comes down to pitching mainly, in my opinion. Well, either way, the Dodgers are going to win this series, I'm pretty sure. So let's yeah. go over our predictions. All right. I have Dodgers in four games, Washington versus Dodgers. I'm in four games. Yeah. I have the Nationals stealing one game. I have the Dodgers going three to one. With the, with the Dodgers winning, I do think they're gonna, probably going to give up a game. Hopefully not. Hopefully it's a straight sweep, so it's easy. But this is baseball, and after this game, who knows? Who knows what's going to happen? And there might be some crazy things happening. Yeah, let's talk about the AL wild card, which is going to happen tomorrow night on October 2nd, which is going to be the Oakland Athletics versus the Tampa Bay Rays. I have the Oakland Athletics winning. Well, I have the Tampa Bay Rays winning. Honestly, I think... It's a close matchup. It can honestly be a coin flip, but I just think with Marcus Simeon, Matt Chapman, Matt Olson, I think Oakland's lineup will definitely do damage to that Rays uh, pitching staff. I do think it's going to be a really, really good wild card matchup. I think I initially before this game, I thought this was going to be the better matchup versus the Brewers and the Nationals. Mm-hmm. But I do think the Tampa Bay Rays, they've been on a hot streak all year. They truly deserve this spot and it'd be really nice to see them win I just really want them to win and I think they definitely can yeah if any if any team was to deserve it it would be the race for sure just because a lot of people had them you know not even making the postseason maybe even last in their division Mm -hmm. so not to see the or the Tampa Bay Braves in the wild card it's good to see but I'm hoping for another good game just like we saw tonight with the Nationals and Brewers I think it definitely will be I don't think it's going to be a shutout game Definitely. Well, These teams are very equally matched up, so it's going to be really interesting, and they're playing in Oakland. Yeah. So should we take the drive? No. <laughs> no. Well, I guess we're not road tripping, y'all. All right, so let's move on to the other National League Divisional Series. It's going to be the Atlanta Braves versus the St. Louis Cardinals. I have the Braves winning in five games. Same. Yeah. Same. I think I think a lot of people are sleeping on the Cardinals, and they might, and I don't think the Braves will get into their full playoff swing, no pun intended, un- like 
maybe a game or two into the series, and then they'll finally realize and that they're going to win the series. I definitely think they're going to win the series. I think this is going to be an e- this is an easier series for the Braves, and I expect them to move on to the next round pretty quickly. I don't think it's going to take them long. Also, another thing to look out for is Josh Donaldson. He's battling with the injury right now in Ender and Ciarte. So the Braves fans definitely looking out for that one, making sure they're both healthy for if, yeah, I was the say, divisional series. I was going to say, if they are not healthy, I think it's going to be a more evenly matched game. But if they're I healthy, still, they I still think the Braves. Team. I think the Braves still have enough firepower and bullpen to hold off the Cardinals. I do too, but injuries do take a toll it does, on the team. For so sure, for sure. That's why I think it'll be just a little bit more nerve wracking for them, and that might lead to some something some things happening that would not be necessarily in their favor. They could play down, but that's always a situation where they do just play down to the Cardinals level, which I don't think that's going to happen. Right. Okay, so let's move on to the American League Divisional Series. So it's going to be the Astros versus the winner of the A's and Rays, and I think the Astros are going to sweep. It's going to be three games because think about it. you got to go against Justin Verlander, Garrett Cole, and Zach Greinke. Astros are going right to the – like, um, This is my – I'm on, before we even talk about the next round, the Astros are going to the World Series. Yeah. They're, okay. they're going to the World Series. Okay. No, no, no contest. For me, there's, they're just going to go straight there. But do you have them sweeping the the divisional round, divisional series? You know, I'm, I, that's why I'm, I'm just saying Verlander, it's Garrett just, Cole, and Zach Greinke. Those are your three starters. It's extremely difficult. Like, that's what I'm saying. It's I, extremely I, difficult, but we have seen Greinke kind of choke it a little bit during this regular season, not I, often. I think he has the offensive power behind him though this time. Right. With the Astros. Right, but he has choked it a little bit. Yes, he does have a history. So, of if it. anything, maybe a game or two in the divisional series, but I really don't think so. I think the Astros are just going to go straight there. They're too damn good. That bullpen is way too good. Okay, so let's go to Yankees, Minnesota, which Minnesota Twins. So let's. Th- this is kind of sad because this is a divisional round, and both these teams are amazing and stellar. And actually, the Minnesota Twins just beat out the Yankees for the most home runs this season, mm-hmm. and it was an MLB record. But so this is going to be a real slugfest between the two teams, and I think this this series is going to go to five games. But I think the Yankees are taking it. I do too. And with the story behind the Yankees, almost their entire team was hurt, or nearly half their team was hurt, battling back, making it to the postseason, and still winning a hundred yeah. games in the season, a hundred plus games. So insane. Yeah, and then now they're actually most of them are healthy. If not, they're all healthy. Yeah. I believe so. But, uh, yeah, so that's why I have the Yankees. But I think Minnesota Twins will definitely put up a fight. Oh, yeah, no, it's going to be – this is going to be one of the uh, – this is going to be the most interesting divisional series to watch. And then after that, so we have Yankees winning, but then the Astros are still going to win. They're going to go to the World Series. So, okay, so let's go to the AL Championship Series, which is what we both agreed on, Yan- yeah. Yankees-Astros. I have Astros in seven games. I have them going all seven, seven games, and I think – I have Astros in five. Because honestly, the thing is, it's Yankees are damn good. Yeah, Astros are damn good too. So, but I just think the Astros pitching staff is better, and that's why I give them the edge. But I think it's going to be a real close series as well. Yeah, I have the Astros winning it in five. But oh wow, so yeah. you think Yankees are only going to take one game? I do think so. Okay. That I have like that bullpen's way too good on the Astros. And it's terrifying. It is terrifying. Not only are they stacked, it's hard to play offensively. In New York, though. That's true. I was gonna say, but the Yankees are not known to put are not known to just lie down. And with all the history behind them, the fans exactly. 
But yeah, it's going to be interesting. But I do think the Astros are going to take it in five. And then let's move on to National League Championship Series, Braves versus Dodgers. Dodgers. Braves. Let's let's argue. Well, okay. So I know Dodgers are good. And I'm, if they win, I won't be surprised. I'm just going Braves because they're my team I'm riding with. Like I said last episode, the entire playoff, and I have a bet laying on it. So I can't say on here <laughs> that like Dodgers are going to win when I got the Braves in my bet. So I'm going Braves in seven. I think... I think they're, they're going to give the Dodgers their run for their money, and they're going to surprise the Dodgers. They won the last two games of the season against the Dodgers, but, I mean, the Dodgers did win the season series 4-2. to two, So take it with a grain of salt, but I think the Braves may upset the Dodgers. Again, I won't be surprised if the Dodgers win. But this, I'm just going to go with the underdog team, the Braves, and I'm, I have them winning it in seven. So he's committed. So you're committed to this. I'm committed. I've made a bet to it. I have to be committed. <laughs> I have no backing I out. have the Dodgers winning too, but I do agree with Kush that the Braves are going to give them a run for their money because one thing that the Dodgers have consistently done the past two years in the postseason, their bullpen specifically, is choke it. And I, don't, I think that the Dodgers are way too talented to lose to the Braves, so I think it's going to be close. I have the Dodgers winning in six. But See, it's going to be tough, I, I, which is not ideal because – the Dodgers are going to go to the World Series and they're going to have to play the Astros. So playing more games is just tougher in the postseason mm-hmm. because, I mean, pitching and your pitchers get tired, all that good stuff, but or all that bad stuff, I should say. But I do have the Dodgers winning, and I think they're going to win, and I think it's going to be a 26, 2017 rematch, Dodgers and the Astros in the World Series. Mm-mm, okay. And I think that... I have no, I honestly, I, I mean, obviously I think, I think I want the Dodgers to win, but honestly, I think the Astros might win the world series. Okay. So you, I, you have Dodgers, Astros, I have uh, Braves, Astros. So same thing, just, but I have the Astros winning in six games. I have in the world series. Mm-hmm, I'm winning in six games. <sighs> okay. Well, let's, let's, let's do the, okay. Let's do, let's do your scenario. If the Astros play the Braves, I have the Astros winning in five. Okay. If the Astros play the Dodgers, I have seven. I have six. Seven. I have six either, either I way. I don't know. There's and it's just everything. And so if the Dodgers play the Astros, it's everything built up behind it. You get reminded of everything that happened in 2017 and how it was pro- arguably one of the funnest, one of the craziest and funnest World Series we've ever seen. The fact that it was neck to neck, back to back the whole time. I said it back then, and I'll say it again. If you're gonna lose a World Series, that's how you lose it. You go fighting till the end. And also, Houston did have that major hurricane um during the postseason and so it was also kind of nice and quote-unquote god's work that the ashes ended up winning the world <laughs> don't series give it, don't give the pity but give i the give them pity. the pity but it's if the dodgers play the ashes in the world series which is ideal the ashes are it's gonna be it's gonna be insane. a good series it's gonna it's be, gonna gonna be insane but yeah i, I think it's gonna be ashes terrifying will. and insane i'm gonna be so stressed out i'm not gonna eat or sleep well do you have a world series mvp of who you think's gonna so, so you have Astros. I have Astros as well. So who do you think's gonna win the World Series MVP? I have Carlos Correa. I think he's gonna show up. I, I, a lot of people are gonna say Alex Bregman. I was gonna say Bregman. Yeah, I just I feel like Bregman is not gonna show up, or he's not not gonna show up, but he's like not gonna be like MVP caliber Bregman like he was in the regular season. I have a feeling that Carlos Correa is gonna step up. 
You think so? Mm-hmm. I have a feeling he's going to step well, up. Well, here's how I see it. I, Alex Bregman is up for the American League um, MVP, but we all know who's going to get that, and we'll talk about that in a second. So because he doesn't get that, I think they're going to give him, if he in the World Series, and if the Astros win, he's going to get Well, he has to perform. He well, can't, they yeah. can't just give it to him like well, that. Well, I know, but I, you think he's not going to perform? I think he is. I just think Carlos Correa will be – I can't really say sleeper because he's a hell of a player, but I think mm. he's going to be that guy who helps them, helps Astros propel them over. Because I don't think one of the pitchers are going to win the World Series MVP unless they bring they do like uh, what the Red Sox did and bring Justin Verlander in as a closer in Game Seven or Game <laughs> Six or whatever, and have him just pitch a shutout inning and they win something like that. But I don't think they're going to do that like Chris Sale did. So Sale. yeah. So. <laughs> Remember that song? So, <laughs> Carlos Correa, you have Alex Bregman. I do. So, with that being said, let's go over our regular season MVPs. The Nosebleeds came up with a list of players who we have winning the MLB awards. So, these AL are, MVP. These are the official Nosebleeds awards. So, whoever shall bestow these prediction awards shall be so honored. And, of course, AL MVP, Mike Trout, the greatest baseball player of all time. Wow, what? labeling that already. Yeah. Even yes. though he doesn't have a World Series? I mean, don't he get me will. wrong. I I think he's I think on the he vert. Will. Like, he's on the right path to be that, but I wouldn't say it yet. Dude, have you seen him play? No. Just, oh, my god. <laughs> You're goodness. asking Angels fan if you've seen him play, really? I'm just saying. Like, I can't no, who is that? Totally, I can't believe you're We only just paid him 420-something million dollars. <laughs> I just can't believe you're not totally on board like I am. So No, I, I think he's de- – I, I wouldn't put it on him just yet, but he's definitely on that path. Like, well, that's if like he saying- continues to do what he's done in his career already, then yes. That's why I'm saying he's on the path. I just can't give it to him right now. I just think Mike Trout's athleticism, the way he's been consistent his entire career when he's not hurt, he deserves it to be one of the best of all time. I can see that. And that's one why of the best of all time. And that's why I said if he continues to do what he's doing, then yes. I don't I could put that label on it. Yeah. I could put that label on him. Just not right now. I think it's still a little too early, but he's definitely on the right path. Okay, so let's move on to the nosebleeds NL MVP, we have Cody Bellinger. Now, would this be a different conversation if Christian Yelich didn't get hurt? Maybe. Maybe, but we're not going to go there. Moving on. Yeah, I mean, it's a landslide victory for Cody Bellinger. Uh, AL Cy Young. This one was a little tough, but... There's a lot of good pitchers. But the crazy thing is, for AL Cy Young, we, we said Justin Verlander... But the crazy thing is, is that his teammate, Garrett Cole, is right behind him. So yeah. when you have two Cy Young winner or caliber players like that are in the starting rotation, that one and two, like that's just deadly. It's going to be scary. It's going to be a scary postseason for anybody. Whoever has to play them. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. For the NL Cy Young, we chose Jacob DeGrom from the Mets. Yeah. He's he, been one of the only... Well, they have a couple bright spots, but he's one of the only bright spots of the Mets season. Definitely. Especially given all the drama that they've had throughout the season. Yeah. Poor Mets fans. It's always been poor Mets fans, but they have a real future. With, they do. They do. With DeGrom, and they better hold on to him for dear life. Yeah. Well, and, with DeGrom and our NL Rookie of the Year, Mr. Pete Alonso, yes, Polar Bear. Yes. Who broke the MLB rookie home run record with 53 home runs as a rookie That's and to put a cherry on top he won the mlb home run derby yeah <laughs> what a season he can hit that boy can hit yeah he can and Polar he has Bear. proven it 
And then moving on to the AL rookie, we have Jordan Alvarez. The long time ago Dodger. Yeah. No, I'm just kidding. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna I'm not gonna be mean to Dodger fans. But yeah, Jordan Alvarez. I think he's also gonna be a big part of the Astros postseason run. He definitely will be. And I mean, just like we said, the Astros are good, but I'm done talking about them. Okay? But Jordan Alvarez, well, well deserved. And it really took off for him after the All-Star break, especially. Mm-hmm. And then last bit of baseball business. The Angels have fired Brad Osmus after one season. Now, the Angels, as we talked about, were plagued with lots of issues, even a death, R.I.P. Tyler Skaggs, and a lot of injured players, a lot of injured players. So, but although, but some of the um, decisions that Osmus was making as far as putting in pitchers, taking him out, leaving him in for certain innings, it just wasn't as good, I guess, as the Angels had hoped, so he got the boot. Now, the Angels also fired their bench coach, Josh Paul, and pitching coach, Doug White, which makes total sense because the bullpen was trash for the Angels. I feel like after after Heaney got hurt again and they just kept putting out Trevor Cahill, I was like, oh, no. And then <laughs> Matt a re- Harvey was, was a, a disaster as well. They cut him halfway th- like towards the end of the season. There's a reason why those two were never in the starting rotation, even yeah. though Cahill was our starter for the year, for the season. So I saw how well that turned out. Cahill was – every time yeah. he came in, I, I every time Cahill would go in, oh, they're about to score four. But, runs. no, yeah, there was very poor decisions made by Brad Ausmus, which – but – to his defense, there were a lot of injuries. If Tommy Listella wasn't out for the season, maybe the Angels are in the wild card. We don't know. We, we can't Andrew speculate. Heaney. Andrew Heaney, the whole Tyler Skagg situation, and then Andrelton Simmons was out for a good amount of time. Then Mike Trout went down at the end of the season. But at that point, they were already done. Yeah. But there was a lot that Brad Ausmus had to deal with. But I think given that they just gave Mike Trout that huge contract, they, they need to show him that they're trying to win and they're not content with where they're at right now and they want to make yeah. some playoff moves and there is early speculation as to who is going to be hired as the angels head coach but i think it's way too premature to even say everybody's saying um joe madden but i think it's too premature to even say and billy the general manager of the angels billy epler also came out and said it's way too early for that right. so because I think a lot of people are saying that don't sleep on the Mets to try to get Joe Madden either. So yeah, I, I think it's just way too early, way too much speculation. When there's more like concrete evidence, then we'll for sure talk about it. But for now, we'll just leave it at how it is. All right, now moving on, switching gears, NFL. Okay, let's talk about NFL. Biggest thing of the week. The biggest thing of the week? Vontez Burfitt just got a season suspension. So Vontaze Burfitt has had a long history of multiple unsportsmanlike conducts with cheap shots to Anthony Sherman, Antonio Brown, Max Williams, and the list goes on and on and on. So, I mean, all these fines and his suspensions have ended up costing him over $5 million of his career salary, which Vontaze Burfitt didn't sign any big contracts throughout his career. He, he was a good player. He was like one of the, I wouldn't say top tier, but he was one of the better starting linebackers in the NFL, but he definitely wasn't top tier to where he was making the big bucks. So 5.3 million over his career. That's a lot of chunk of his career salary right there. Yeah. And then being suspended a lot will definitely hinder your career and hinder the time people could see you out in the field. The dude is aggressive to the point where 
he's looking to hurt hurt someone. Like, yeah, you know, in football, like the whole saying is, yeah, you want to go out there and you want to you want to hurt the other team, whatever. But you don't really, really want to hurt them. Right. The fact that he goes head to head and he aims for that head to take guys out, literally take guys out. When they're already wrapped up and they're about to go down and he goes in just to do that. That's almost. I've literally seen YouTube compilations of him having dirty hits. Oh. When you have a compilation of you being dirty in NFL, like I think it's time to say sayonara and that's what the nfl was like after this past hit against the colts with jack doyle yeah. you know it was like he he doesn't even look up when he's hitting as well he l- puts his head down and with the crown of his helmet hits a player and i think that's when the nfl had kind of drawn the line so how does I, he not have like brain damage how he hits everybody else i swear honestly i feel like the told- way the way he does hit people and the way his mentality is he might have brain damage he might be going through some mental illnesses and that's why he's so crazy or he or he would definitely will be in the long run for sure i swear to god that antonio brown hit from a couple years ago like ugh, like i just think about it and i shudder yeah that was bad he flopped like a doll yeah it was bad and uh so i i think this one year suspension is definitely warranted how about you brandy i think he should just get kicked out of the league at this point i because what are they gonna do wait for him to hit somebody else like that and then put them in well the thing is is we have to even see if teams are willing to give him another chance that's true. and Hopefully if they don't. if he doesn't get if they don't give him another chance he would have had run himself out of the league anyways and if they do and we see this again then then i think for sure that's where the nfl is going to draw the line and they're going to say all right you're, you're just done and i think it's a good thing the nfl is doing this because in youth football so many of the coaches, the parents, the kids, they watch the NFL, and they, if they see a big hit like this, they're going to think it's okay. I think it starts with the NFL and by them. Some of these rules that the NFL are making, though, like with illegal blindside hits and all that, yes, I agree that the NFL is getting soft to a certain extent, but when it comes to helmet-to-helmet hit and, like, literally headhunting, like what Vontez Burfitt is doing, I agree with them. Well, those rules are set up to prevent headhunting from happening. Exactly. So the NFL has gone quote-unquote soft in the sense that that really wasn't, like, you know, intentional. Like, he didn't mean to, like, you know, slam into him. Obviously, I think they're looking for – I think they should be looking for more intentional, you know? But that's what Vontez Burfitt does. I think you definitely see those hard hits. Right, but it is intentional. So he gets called on it all the time, which is – and which is why but I don't think he should be in the league anymore. No, I don't think so either. But what I'm saying is that the people are saying that the NFL have gone soft. I don't think soft in the sense that, oh, well, they're not allowing so many helmets to helmets anymore. But the fact is, is that they're calling – there's calls where it's just like, dude, like he, like he – or like late – like we like we were talking about last week, quote, unquote, late hits, roughing the passer, roughing the kicker. When the, yeah. It wasn't it. That wasn't it. I mean, and that's just – a judgmental, but um, the refs are being paid to judge, so they got to do a better job. But speaking of the referees, I think we should talk about our "Are You Blind?" call of the week. Are you blind? Okay. So I'm gonna go first. Uh, I feel like this is starting to become a broken record. We're only into four weeks of the regular season of NFL, but um, guess what? There's another bad PI review call. You are lying. So. I feel like this always happens. There's a bad passing interference call. Coach challenges it because now you can. That's the rule, right? The call, they review it, and the ruling on the field is upheld. It has not been overturned, even though everyone in the audience, everyone watching, every coach, everything knows it should have been overturned. But for some odd reason, the referees and officials do not overturn it. Why? Nobody knows. I'm I'm 100% on that with you. I'm actually raging right now. I'm internally raging. 
because of a similar call, not a similar call, but a call where it was reviewed and it the field the ruling on the field stood. Okay, so, so let's, let's let's talk about yours first. Yeah, we'll talk about mine first. So mine happened on the Monday night game. It was the Steelers versus Bengals, and the Steelers receiver quote unquote pushed off, and his name was Johnny Holtz, and pushed off the corner Drake Kirkpatrick. The official threw the flag, and you look at the replay, and his hand brushes on the back of the corners. And literally, Mike Tomlin was like, all right, I'm going to review that, throw the challenge flag. They review it. Even the official that is in the game booth, usually it's Mike Pereira or whatever the case may be, he was like, this should not be a passing interference call. But lo and behold, they don't overturn the call. And mm -hmm. it's still an offensive PI for pushing off when he didn't at all. So I, I think they missed. I just think, you know what, maybe they were blind because they mistook a actual push like a push, you know, when you push somebody, the other person goes the other way to a brush on the back of, of the of the his jersey. It's he didn't even bad. touch his back. Like I, my whole, my, I think that what it is is because they have one official go under the hood and check the replay, but they also have a headset on from the officiating from upstairs. And I have a feeling that because this wasn't the officiating's idea to implement these passing interference challenges, it was the NFL. And I think maybe the officials are kind of, in a way, butthurt about it, that the, that the NFL was like, okay, you guys need to start reviewing this, basically saying, like, we don't trust your guys' naked eye, even though you're getting paid millions to do it, or whatever the case may be. So I think that's why the officiating is kind of like, you know what, we're going to backfire on the NFL and just, like, basically say, screw you guys. Wait, pause. Refs get paid millions of dollars in the NFL? No, that's why I said, like, I don't know. I'm going to say, if, they, if that ref on the field is making millions of dollars, he better damn well call that right. He better get glasses. I'll take, I, I don't even goggles. take a million. I'll like, take 100 racks for uh, officiating through the TV. Does that work? <laughs> Can I sign up for that? Because I'll be damn better than them. I'll tell you that right now. No, but I agree with you because the call that I have was during the Saints and the Cowboys game. Which happened to be our game of the week. Yes. And Ezekiel Elliott... They called a fumble, and when the game was going on, it did look like a fumble. But once they reviewed the play, you could see that Ezekiel Elliott had the ball in his hand. His elbow was down. His elbow was down. And then as soon, literally as soon as the elbow touched the ground, the ball popped out. I mean, great, great play by Saints defense, but it wasn't a fumble. And they reviewed the play, and they said the ruling on the field stood. One of the better drives of the game that the Cowboys had. Yeah, and that and was on they, a, that was terrible. It was on a crucial fourth and one too. And if if they call, didn't call a fumble, Ezekiel Elliott definitely passed the first down. So the drive would have continued. It was, I think it was six three at that point of the yeah. game in the second quarter, and that could have swung the whole momentum of the game. But yep. yeah, that was a really bad call because especially since they did review it and they didn't get it right. So there is a conspiracy that I have that the refs, like you said, they're butthurt. They're like, oh, well, we're just gonna have the ruling on the field stand. Anyways, that's exactly what they're doing. And it's not cool, and it's not fair. And what's the point, like you said, what's the point of reviewing a play with all this technology that we have if we can't use it? Listen, I'm sorry, but how old are these men out there? Like 50? Some are going near 60. Sir, you can't see as good as this uh, HD camera I've got here. No, I'm, I'm, you cannot see I'm, as well as this 4K. To be so honest. that's why we had the review. And the fact that they are not doing it, it's ruining games. This whole Cowboy Saints game could have been totally different. We will get to that. 
but that was terrible terrible 100 percent agree with you but i do think it has to be in their contract that they do get eye medical uh insurance they have to i'm pretty sure all those refs that had glasses probably had to get lasik in order to be a referee there's no way well if anybody knows for real but whoever their doctor is that's doing lasik needs to get checked because some of these calls are super suspect i don't care i'm sorry if you have lasik if whatever you have it is not better than technology. No, it that, is that not better than it. And humans make mistakes. Nobody's asking you to be perfect all the time. Well, we are in a sense, but because you have these cameras and things to back it up, you have to be perfect. Yeah, I think, and this is only the first quarter of the regular season, so I think the NFL needs to have a talk with the NFL officiating and need to get needs to get something sorted out because this is they actually getting suck. ridiculous. And it's because it's not just these calls that we've talked about. There's lots of other calls that weren't as detrimental as the ones we talked about to the games that were being played. But there's a lot of other terrible For calls. For sure. A lot of other For terrible sure. calls. I have seen a lot of um like Thursday night football, the the Avante Maddox and Marquez Valdez Scantling when it was a clear passing interference, they didn't yeah. call it. Matt LaFleur threw the challenge flag and they didn't overturn it. So it's like I, I don't get what why they implemented this rule if it's not going to be utilized correctly. It makes no sense. It. I don't get it. Okay, but with that being said, let's stick on the topic of the Cowboys and Saints. And the Cowboys, they choked in primetime Sunday night. Not A fully healthy team. I'm not going to lie to you. Well, not fully healthy. Not Until the fourth quarter. No, Michael Gallup. Okay. He's out. But he's still. essential to our offense. But I think... Drew Brees is way more essential than listen, Michael Gallup. Listen, here's what happened in the Cowboys game. Here's what I've been seeing on Twitter as soon as the game ended. Oh, you let you let a you lost to a backup quarterback. Actually, Kush even texted me this after the game. You <laughs> lost to a backup quarterback when actually we didn't even let him get the chance. Stupid. He did not score a touchdown. Our defense held a backup, which is what they were supposed to do. Our defense did honestly everything they possibly could to put Dallas in the best position they could to win that game. Do you want to know what sucked? Our offense. Our offense was terrible. It was awful. And I could honestly tell right from the gate that it was going to be tough because, first of all, the New Orleans Stadium, it's packed. It and it's rocking. hard. You could hear it. It is hard the to TV. play there. And there is now a rivalry. Dallas is rivals with everybody, but there is a really big rivalry with the Cowboys and the Saints now. Mm. It's pretty big now. Uh, I mean, I guess, I don't know. I would say the Rams and the Saints after last year's playoffs. I mean, yeah. But, I mean, it's. I think it's still a rivalry. They play each other every year. Good teams are always going to be rivals, and both right. of those are good teams. Right. But the Cowboys, but let me their biggest – oh, go ahead. I'll let you finish first. I'll let you finish, but – The Cowboys had one of the worst <laughs> offensive performances this week. They did. Right from the gate, I could tell Dak Prescott did not look confident – at all. That's what, what I want to say. I just want to say one li- thing. I want to say one thing. Okay, fine. The Cowboys are one and eight when Ezekiel Elliott is held under 75 yards. So Ezekiel Elliott had a terrible performance. And if that's the case, then Dak Prescott, he's on a contract year. If you can't win, if your running back isn't getting the job done, isn't the quarterback supposed to one that picks up the team and puts the team on his back on the passing game? And if you can't even do that, how do you expect all that money, that brink truck to back up? Exactly. So the so the way the Cowboys offense works, defenses go in go in thinking, take away Zeke, Dak can't really do what he's supposed to do. Now, they did that the first three games of the season. And what did Dak do? He impressed the hell out of everybody, throwing the ball downfield, making plays, being smart. And But when he played the Saints, 
It was almost as if we took a time travel back to last year. This was the exact Dallas team that we had last year. Almost exactly. Where pretty much if it was a close game, it was because of our defense. You know what it is, right? The Cowboys actually played a good defense for once. The first three games, think about it. Giants, not a good pass defense. Okay, and that might be true. But the the point is that... Dak, he could have he could have picked apart the Saints defense if he wanted to, but he didn't because he was scared and he was nervous, and therefore he just kept he had to keep throwing straight shots. And because they took Zeke out of the equation, I don't think Zeke had a poor performance. It wasn't all on him, you know. When they're when they're rushing the line almost every time because they know we're gonna give it to Zeke. I mean, it's not it doesn't make his job any easier, but it is Dak's job to spread the defense out so Zeke can go in and make those bigger plays. And that's not what happened. Or it almost happened once, but apparently it was a fumble. But, yeah, so basically, no, the Cowboys did not lose to a backup because the backup didn't – he didn't even score a touchdown, and they lost. That's insane. I see. I I think there's a stat somewhere, like, where that hasn't happened since 1984. All I, I think just is, to the Saints, though. All I know is I see a W next to Teddy Bridgewater's name, and I see an L next to Dak Prescott's name. I'm not saying – listen, Dak did terrible, but it is very early in the season. I think that if this sort of thing were to happen, it's good to have for it to happen now because now they better freaking adjust. They well, they bet the one person that has to adjust the most is Kellen Moore, their offense coordinator. Everybody right. was praising him. And I think this game was for sure a reality check to him because Amari Cooper was his go-to receiver for Dak, right? And Marshawn Lattimore took him out of the equation really quick throughout the game. So, And not having Michael Gallup definitely did hurt the Cowboys. Yeah. And who else are you going to throw to? Devin Smith only had one target, and the other guy is Randall Cobb, which I believe Randall Cobb has fallen off since his Packers days. I feel like the only time you hear Randall Cobb Well, he is did really good in the first game of the season, and then after First that, game of the season against the Giants. Right. Okay, well... Well, I'm just saying, I feel like the only time you hear Randall Cobb's name is when he drops the ball. That's the only thing you'll yeah. remember from Randall Cobb. Yeah. So, he did I have, think... There was a pass where he, he should have caught that. Exactly. And it was just... I don't know. That... Kellen Moore has to go back into the film room and definitely... And work something out with make sure him and Dak are on the same page, him and Zeke, and that whole offense is on the same page. And Dak needs to get his confidence up. Like he looked like he looked like a scared little boy yeah. the entire game. And for yeah, nice the words, we'll, we'll say it nicely like that. The Saints, the Saints are a good defense, but if the Cowboys expect, which I think they very well can, to make it to the Super Bowl this year. They can't, they can't, he can't just flop and get scared when, oh, my God, things aren't working out like they're supposed to. No, I'm sorry. As a quarterback, as a leader, you got to pick apart that defense as best as you can, and he did not do that. He didn't do that. So, like you said, Kellen Moore, also big reality check for him, but they've got to get it together. I think and going then now up next, we have week, injuries. next week is going to be against the Green Bay Packers, which is also another not – a not easy opponent. Going, they're both three and one now. The Cowboys and the Packers. And then, like you said, injury. I think the biggest injury we all know is left tackle Tyron Smith. Yeah, huge blow. One of the best left tackles in the NFL. And uh, it was good news though. He got an MRI. They thought it was going to be a high ankle sprain. It's not that bad. He's week to week. He's probably going to miss this game against the Packers, but he should be back the week after that, which is really good news for Cowboys, and, uh, the franchise, and fans as well. But yeah. they'll. They definitely needed him because as soon as they put Cameron Fleming in, the backup left tackle, he was getting blown up. 
every yeah. single play and Dak had no time. And that's why he threw it into that. If you see that one picture with Amari Cooper trying to catch it over four Saints players. Can, okay, but yeah, that pass, can we talk about it? Because there was four Saints players around him, and he almost caught it. It hit his hands, and he was about to grab it, but of course there was like five other hands there, so they knocked it out. But, but his, name isn't, his it. name isn't Calvin Johnson, so he didn't catch it. Have you seen those memes, though? It says, like, the ball yeah. The ball says paycheck, and then Amari Cooper, it says me. There and then the one. rest of the four uh, Saints defenders says, like, insurance, rent, food, water, like, all that stuff. Yeah, I saw that one, and I did see another one that I really liked where it basically showed showed the pass, like, where he's about to catch it, and they're all jumping up, and then it showed all the Saints players on top of Amari Cooper, and the caption was, this is what trying to pull yourself up by your bootstraps in the face of social and economic disadvantages look like. And that was really funny. Yeah, wasn't funny for the Cowboys though. Yeah, so but I this isn't the end of the world. I my I was definitely being very dramatic on Twitter, especially where I guess he's not that good. You know what's gonna happen? How are we gonna win another game? It's not that serious. They just got to get it together. It's good that this happened this early in the season because look at what we saw. The Cowboys saw what they could do against those terrible def- against those not so good teams, and then now they could see oh it's a reality check, and now. They just got to get together from here on out. But I do expect them to beat the Packers next week because our defense is going to take down Aaron Rodgers. Now, moving on, what is our game of the week next week? We have the infamous Cleveland Browns sitting at 2-2 two and two against the 49ers that are coming off a of bye week at 3-0. and oh. This is a Monday night matchup. It's going to be at Levi Stadium in San Francisco, so... It's going to be a fun game. I think the Browns silenced a few people after their dominant performance against the Ravens, as hard as it is to say. But the, the Browns actually – Freddie Kitchen actually looked like he knew how to coach for mm-hmm. once. Yep. The, the Browns ended up picking they, off Lamar Jackson twice and sacked him four times. And to sack Lamar Jackson four times, that's impressive in itself. Definitely. Now, the most annoying part about all of this is that Baker Mayfield came out and said after the game, after they won, impressive win like Kush just mentioned – well, he basically said, blah, 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 I, you guys have all been talking bad about us in the media, blah, blah, which is true. I mean, everybody expected them to be great, and they were not. What do you think? People are just going to not talk about it? We're going to ignore it, especially with the players they have on their team and the personalities. So then he said, I hope you all keep that same energy. What does that even mean? Like, why would he say that? That is so childish. This is the NFL, sir. If you just perform like you're supposed to, then. Do you know who you're talking about? Baker Who? Mayfield. You're talking about Baker Mayfield. I know. And you're saying, why are you so childish? Like, that's, come on. <laughs> For, but really, it's, I mean, but the, the fact that he was so butthurt, that he showed that he was so butthurt that's by That's Baker it. Mayfield for you. Do you not I'm remember just freaking grabbing his nuts at the opposing bench in, or in college? Like, you literally, like, suck on these or whatever. Yeah. Like, he's childish. But that was he's like not college. mature. Which is worse, in my opinion. In NFL, you can get away with that stuff. In college, you can't. I mean, but he's also younger in college, so it's a more makes. It much he's more. damn near the same person still. Anyways, yeah, I thought that was extremely childish. So now I want the 49ers to win. Okay, but so I think the here's my reasoning for why I think the Browns will win. Okay, I think they have momentum going into this game. It's Monday night. They played against a great Ravens team and literally blew them out the waters. And I think they finally figured out, oh, let's just not have Odell run on a streak route every time and try to throw it to him. Or let's see if we have enough time to even throw it. So they finally found Jarvis Landry, who had 167 receiving yards. So 
I think, and also Nick Chubb, who had three touchdowns in a buck 40 or a buck 50 rushing. So I think their offense is finally clicking together. And, uh, but the Browns O line, they're just so suspect. They've given up 12 sacks, which is ninth worst in the NFL. And the 49ers have one of the best defensive lines in the NFL. So that's going to be a matchup looking forward to. So if, if Freddie Kitchen can duplicate what he did against the Ravens, I think they have a good chance to beat the 49ers. But if he doesn't, then – and I, I the reason why I think the 49ers are going to lose because they haven't played a real opponent. They've played the Steelers, they've played the Bengals, and they've played the Tampa Bay. They also are – but they also are coming off a of bye week. Right, so they so will, that gives them a little bit more rest, up, yeah. a little bit more time to observe, and I'm sure they were watching – that Browns game where they just won. So I think that the 49ers also have momentum. Yes, not as big of momentum as the Browns probably. The Browns have more to prove than the 49ers, so they're going to come out firing. But like you said, that offensive line, it's going to be really hard because those defensive backs are talented on the 49ers. So they're just gonna, I think they're going to run all over Baker Mayfield, and they're going to shut him up. Well, we'll see because the Browns have not been good in primetime games, so that's also something to look forward to. If the Browns can, you know, p- not pay attention to the to the spotlight and they just go play their brand of football that they played last week, then they can definitely pull this out and, and play that smash-mouth football that they played last week. So I have Browns. Brandy has 49ers. We will update you guys next episode and – We'll have the bragging rights. We'll see who has the bragging rights. Now, speaking of the spotlights, Kawhi Leonard, recent and moved back L.A. resident, got booed at the Rams game. They showed him up on the screen, and he got booed by the entire stadium because I'm assuming he's on the Clippers and he didn't choose to be on the Lakers. And so does this create – and then not only that, but Chris Paul, um, he he went to a – MLS game and he got booed as well. Okay. Actually, no, he went to a martial arts event. And then on Saturday, this past Saturday, Paul George attended a Bellator mixed martial arts event at the forum, which is in LA, and he was booed. So, what does this mean? Does this mean that there is a legit rivalry? In between the Lakers and the Clippers, because here's what I think. I think I don't think it's really a rivalry. I think Lakers and Lakers fans are, still think they're the best in the biz, and they have the history to prove that. But I think it's more so that the Lakers are and the Laker fans are mad at Kawhi and Paul for not coming to the Lakers. Mainly, more so mad at Kawhi. I don't think it's a legit. I don't think it's going to be a legit rivalry. We'll see when the gameplay goes out. I think it is a legit rivalry that has been brought upon us because it's it doesn't only have to be within the players it, it's mainly starts with the fans the rivalry and I definitely think there's a rivalry between Lakers and Clippers fan before Kawhi before Paul George I think it happened with the whole Chris Paul situation with that trade not going through with it getting vetoed and then him ending up at the as a Clipper and they're all like you know if he ended up as a Laker how many championships would he won so I think it goes back to then, and now this is just adding fuel to the fire, and I think Laker fans are finally are now getting mad, and it's creating a rivalry because they realize that the Lakers may not be the superior team for the for the new generation, 
Because I know the Lakers franchise, yes, it's one of the greatest franchises in sports history, and I respect the franchise a lot. But I think they're starting to go back on the ropes, and the Clippers are taking jabs at them now because they're actually competitive. So I, I don't think it's, it's ever going to be a Clippers town. It's always going to be a Lakers town. But the Clippers are on the verge of potentially hoisting a Larry O'Brien trophy, and I think that's kind of scaring Laker fans. I just think – I don't really think it's because the fear of the Clippers. Like I said, it's not really a rivalry. It's the fans are just mad that Kawhi wasn't on the Lakers because as soon as LeBron and Anthony Davis and the Lakers start taking off and doing well this season, they're going to forget all about the Clippers again. I don't think so because I think they're both going to be battling at the top of that Western Conference. There's no way they're going to forget it unless, knock on wood, one player gets majorly injured. Why would you even say that? Well, I mean, because it's part of the game. But I'm not saying that, like, to, like, I just put don't voodoo on anyone or anything. Because but. think about it. Clippers fans aren't as aggressive as Lakers fans. So it's Lakers fans against these two players in the Clippers. That's what I think it is. And unless I think we can talk about a rivalry maybe beginning, like a serious rivalry beginning at the end of this year once we see how it all pans out. If the Clippers go over the Lakers, then, yeah, it's a serious rivalry. But... It also depends on what the players have to say. And on Clippers Media Day, Paul George said that he and Kawhi were the best duo, which is which what is, made Lakers which, fans upset. Which too. is hard to argue. Kawhi and Paul George is the best extremely duo. Extremely hard to argue. Because to be honest, it's the two LA duos, whether it's Kawhi Leonard and Paul George or whether it's LeBron James and Anthony Davis. Featuring Kyle Kuzma. Stop it. First, let him get healthy first. Yeah. But I think... I, and this is not me being biased in any way, but I think it. I would give it to Kawhi Leonard and Paul George just because they're the best two-way player, the top two-way players in the league. Kawhi Leonard can show what he does in the regular season, in the postseason. Paul George can show you what he does in the regular season. He hasn't shown it that much in the postseason. LeBron James, if they're both in their prime, hell yeah, I'd give it to LeBron and AD, hands down. But LeBron James is going to turn 35 or 36 in December and he scaled back on defensive line, rightfully so, because they want him to be healthy when it comes around April. But with that being said, LeBron's not the defensive player as we all knew him to be. Anthony Davis is in his prime, so he's the best big man in the league. But with LeBron's defense, that's the only reason why I would give it to Kawhi and PG, because they get it done on both sides of the floor. That's LeBron James still arguably the best player in the league right now. But the fact that he scaled back on defense, that's what my edge is, gives it to the Clippers duo. I kind of agree with you, and I do, but I do think that this year is going to be a really big test for LeBron James because, like you said, he's getting older. He's not playing as much defense, and because he's getting older, he's not as good as he used to be. I'm going to say it. He, he's not as good as he was in his prime. That's why they call it a prime for a reason. He's not in his prime time anymore. It's gone. Those days are over. I would still, still, I still, still think he's in his prime, just not defensively. I would, I would definitely still say he's in his prime, though, as a player. Would you not say so? The guy put up 28, 7, and 7 like last year. Like I was going to say, he's, I'm not saying he's not one of the better players in the league, but I think maybe three years ago, a few years ago, that was his prime. No injuries, no nothing, but coming back from an injury – He's treating his body differently, mm -hmm. something that's not – he. well, he's getting used to it now with all the training he has, with all the trainers he has. But it's just not the same. When you get older, things just don't work the same. But this year will be a true test to see because LeBron James can pull some magic tricks. So we'll definitely see. I do think that 
once the first game of the season starts between the Lakers and the Clippers, that's when we'll truly see. But well, like Paul, said, Paul George isn't playing the first game. He's come out and said that he won't be ready until November. So Paul George will be scratched out for that first Clippers-Lakers game. Okay, So, so we won't have a real see. showdown until Christmas, given if everyone is healthy. Yeah. So that will be the first real battle of L.A., in my opinion, which I, I still think the Clippers – Given their roster, they, they'll still be good against the Lakers. They'll hold up. But I think that's going to be the major thing is not the duo. It's going to be the players that surround the duo. Yeah, definitely. And then talking about defense, they have, the Clippers have Patrick Beverly. One of the right, Patrick Beverly, Montrez Harrell. They got all these guys. The Ibaka Zubak. Yeah. But, I mean, Lakers made great acquisitions as well. They, made, uh, uh, they got Danny Green, yeah. one of the best two-way players at his position. They got uh, Dwight Howard, JaVale McGee back. Yeah. So, I mean – it, I, that's why I'm saying I think it's going to be the role players that define which team is going to be the better team in L.A. Because both duos are hell of a duo. Yeah. You, can, you can argue one and two between those two, but it's going to ultimately come down to the players around them. Yeah, I agree. I agree, but we will see. We will see if this becomes a full rivalry. I don't think it's going to be a full rivalry. I think people are going to – once the Lakers start doing well, people are going to forget about the Clippers again. And speaking of a rivalry, I think we have a new rivalry that is for sure brewed with Mr. Shaquille O'Neal and Damian Lillard. <laughs> Just came out today that Shaq put out a diss track for Damian Lillard, and Damian Lillard responded. And boy, that boy has bars. Damian Lillard got bars. He does. I was thoroughly impressed. Can I just say, Shaquille O'Neal is one of my favorite people of all time. First of all, this man will do an ad for anything. For sure. Anything. The general. He's... <laughs> An EDM DJ, DJ Diesel, and I do listen to EDM music. He's really good. I want to see him. He jumps into the crowd. Imagine Shaquille O'Neal. Hell <laughs> no. My knees would give out. I'm like, all right, just cut it I off. I mean, I'm not saying I would catch him, but he's a good interactive DJ. No, and yeah, for sure. He could put rapper, but I'm not really a rapper. First, first, of, all, first of all, let's talk about each diss track. Um, Shaq, you're a multi-million dollar retired athlete now sports broadcaster i'm pretty sure you can afford a better studio sounded like you just recorded that shit off of garage band from your macbook come on shaq i need he's better also quality a dj too so right i need better quality from you shaq the, the bar is okay they were there i see you i, I kind of underestimated you i didn't think you had lyrics like that but um Come on, man. The quality. It, it's funny. I heard like Shaq's first and I went to Dam Damien Lillard's and I was like, at first I thought it was just, you know, the the video or the song that I clicked was just bad quality. And then I went to Damien Lillard, which was posted by the same people and it was way better in quality. I'm like, damn, Shaq. <laughs> like this podcast sounds better than Shaq's diss track. <laughs> and that says something. Quality, content quality is everything. But you got to have the technical stuff down. But yeah, Damian Lillard was shooting at Shaq, saying that Kobe won those rings. Oh yeah, he the line was, we both could be working at Kinko's and Kobe won you them rings, though. Yeah. Nursery rhymes spitting, small car sitting, icy hot poster boy, TNT snitching, you and big man hating, mad at my existence. Yeah, he was also talking about... <laughs> he was also talking about... Uh, how how the Flash won him those rings and the Flash is Dwayne Wade in Miami too. So a lot of shots being thrown. Yeah, I don't know if Damian Lillard can say that he has zero rings though. So it's like, but he could say that about Shaq. He could, those but Damian Lillard has points. Damian Lillard has zero rings. So I don't yeah. know if you can say that just yet. 
Damian Lillard for sure took the dub on dub. this one. Sorry, Shaq. I love you to death. I think you're great, but you didn't Shaq's win a better entertainer, though. He definitely is. Shaq, because I will watch a whole show. I will watch a reality TV show of Shaq <laughs> and not Damian Lillard. So, I mean, that has to count for something, right? Yeah, I guess. But yeah, Damian Lillard, you can't tell. He's the best rapper in the game. Best basketball rapper, I would say. Maybe, maybe athlete. What about, wait, have you ever heard. Um, don't Lonzo. say Lonzo. Oh, have you, you said Lonzo. No. I have heard him, but no. He's Damian not bad. L- Damian, I, he is not bad, and but he's not Damian, L- Damian Lillard level. Okay. I would not put that. Damian Lillard has bars, so. All right, and last bit of information. Big, big news. If you are a California collegiate athlete in 2023, you are potentially going to be allowed to be get, get paid by endorsements, even though you're in the NCAA. California's governor was on the shop with LeBron James and claimed to have signed the little agreement or whatever it is law the law <laughs> the little agreement he signed <laughs> the law it was, i believe it's an act though not yeah, like, yeah a law it's has to pass yes first but if it does it'll pass in 2023 which means that if you're an athlete and you are really really good you can make money off of your likeness which i think is amazing like i've said i think i've said this on this podcast the ncaa is a crock they are making so much money off of these athletes, and the athletes are seeing none of it. Yes, people argue they're getting full rides, whatever, whatever. Okay, that's all fine and dandy, but there is – and NCAA athletes, they do starve. Like, they can't eat sometimes because when they get out of play practices, out of play games or something, their place where they're supposed to get their meals for free, quote-unquote – it's closed. My sister was a Division One athlete. She played volleyball. And honestly, if my parents didn't have the means to send her money so she can get food and other things that she needs, like toothbrush, toothpaste, like any like simple things you need, she wouldn't have been able to survive out there by herself because you can't get a job because school and sports is your job. So the fact that the um, California has pa- is go- hopefully going to pass this law is amazing, which means that student athletes cannot only work on their they cannot only work on their studies, they can work on their brand because now this is a thing now where people can make money off of themselves on social media and branding and marketing, all this stuff, which is great because not many athletes make it to professional sports after college. Right. Especially this is especially important for women, female athletes. There's no pro sports. There's none. There's a WNBA, but like we said, they do not make what? Money. Yes, they don't. So this I is. I mean, they do, but they don't. But they don't. Yeah. <laughs> they don't. But, but yeah, that's that's why the whole reason Governor Gavin Newsom signed legislation on Monday it, to to kind of shorten it, it allows college athletes to hire agents to be paid for endorsements and use of their image. So basically mm-hmm. jersey sales, all that type of stuff, uh, they can basically get paid ads. now. So imagine, yeah, ad revenue, all that stuff. So imagine like Anthony, Zion Williamson, if he, the amount of money he would have made he off of selling. He would have stayed at Duke, I'll tell you that. 
That I don't know. He'd be making millions in the NBA. But okay, let's talk about another Brittany Griner. Yeah. Brittany Griner was huge in when she was at Baylor mm-hmm. and then going she went to the WNBA after. But Brittany Griner was like monumental. Like she was always on ESPN because she was one of the only female athletes that could dunk a basketball yeah. and that was putting up averaging three plus blocks a game. And, you know, her jersey sales and all that stuff, she definitely would have made money off of that. And not only that, like we said, other brands could have sponsored them but there is a huge flaw with this and obviously the ncaa obviously they don't like this but in a way unless we see other states starting to do this it's a way for california to get top recruits and that's what the kind of unfair advantage is that the ncaa is saying right now that basically everyone's going to come to california if they're the only state that has it because they obviously want to make money while Mm -hmm. they're in college and then the NCAA, this is like speculation that maybe the NCAA is going to start banning them from bowl games, from the NCAA tournament, stuff like well, that. Well, the NCAA has come out and said that technically if athletes are getting paid, then they are not allowed in any way or form or endorsements or whatever, then they are not allowed to uh, participate in any NCAA events. Right. Which means that that could sanction the entire state of California to be out of the quote-unquote NCAA. And if other states do this, the NCAA just might disappear as we know it. And Which honestly, is, honestly, California best case could scenario. be California could be there's such a huge, huge market for sports that they can easily start their own stuff up. They can start their own Pacific California mm-hmm. tournaments and stuff like that. Because you got the have Bay, you got Santa yeah. Barbara, you got California, you got San Diego, you got from the bottom of the coast to the north yeah. of the coast. Like you have all these teams, all these colleges, and if you know that you're getting the best athletes now because of these endorsement deals yeah. and all that stuff, it's gonna be a hell of tournaments and leagues and stuff like that. So it'll be very interesting to see. There also is rumors of other states passing a similar law or act. Mm-hmm. So if that does ha- if that does happen, if all the states pass this and the NCAA's, then they'll be like, so. Then this is what's gonna happen. NCAA, fine. None of you could participate. Okay. We'll start our own thing. <laughs> yeah. So hopefully Basically. that happens because the NCAA is has taken way too much away from college athletes. So this will be... Shout out to Governor Gavin Newsom for revolutionizing. Hopefully this all goes through and it's a revolution that starts for collegiate athletes. And Mm -hmm. we see the NCAA either adapt to it and allow it or they disintegrate. And we don't have to worry about that anymore. Best case scenario overall, if you live in California. Yeah. All right. Well, that is going to do it for this episode. Thank you guys for tuning in. As always, we are on Spotify, Apple Podcasts. If you listen on Apple Podcasts, please give us a five-star review. Write us something nice. Um, hit us up on social media. What's our social media? On Instagram, we are The Nosebleeds. And then on Twitter, we are at The underscore Nosebleeds. That is K-N-O-W-S Bleeds, people. And feel free to interact with us on our polls, on our questions, all that good stuff. And if you have any suggestions or you want anything for us to touch on in our episodes, let us know. And if you disagree or agree with anything that we say on this episode, let us know as well. But other than that, we are out and we'll catch you all next week. Deuces. Bye.